What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Blazers. I am your Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard, Mike Richmond. It's a good news, bad news day, or maybe bad news, good news. I haven't figured that out. I probably should have nailed that one on my way in, but I didn't. I don't know if it's good news, bad news, or bad news, good news, but there is huge news out of Rip City. CJ McCollum suffered a popliteus strain in his left knee and is out at least a week. The Blazers announced today he will be reevaluated in one week. Uh, that means he's going to miss probably a minimum of four games, and I would guess a lot more. We'll get into all that in a second. We'll also take a look around the league in another segment and talk about playoff seeding, what in, what C.J. McCollum's injury might mean for playoff seeding, and, and, and sort of what the outlook is as we stand here. But let's start on the floor of the AT&T Center where C.J. McCollum was seven minutes left in the third quarter on Saturday night. Kind of got maybe halfway stepped on by Jakob Portal and just was immediately in pain and on the floor. I, I didn't really, I felt like watching the game, I didn't really see a great replay right away that showed me what happened, but you could tell by his reaction and the player's reaction that it was serious. Obviously helps with the locker room without putting any weight on his knee. In that moment, this felt like Wesley Matthews' redux, you know, a team that's among the better teams in the Western Conference really net due to a, you know, a catastrophic injury never getting a chance to really see what its ceiling is. Obviously, that t- the timing of that Wesley Matthews injuries and everybody contracts a little bit different than this would have been, but this would have been, it would have been a huge bummer for Rip City and basketball fans all around the world to not have McCollum get his chance to, to show out for the rest of the season. And now it seems like there's a chance that he will be at least somewhat available. So let's start with there. What, what what his availability looks like and, and what we know about this injury. And let me tell you what I know about this injury. A little bit that I read online because I am not a doctor. I am a, a someone who writes and talks about basketball. So um, if you are a doctor, maybe cool it if I get something wrong here. I just want to talk about the stuff I know and less about what goes on inside someone's knee. So here we go. C.J. McCollum reevaluated in a week. That doesn't mean he returns in a week. I think there's about a 0% chance he plays in that game. That is a, a week from today as you are listening to this. So he, he's likely to miss at a very minimum four home games against the Pacers, Mavericks, Pistons, and Brooklyn Nets. After that, the Blazers go on a four-game trip. I kind of think, just judging by what I've read about this injury, is that CJ's going to miss that trip too. Here's what I know about it. It hasn't happened a ton. It's not a type of injury that usually happens by itself. From what I read, it is, uh, it's a muscle injury that usually is accompanied by some sort of ligament issues, but the Blazers haven't told us about any ligament issues at this stage, so we got to trust what they tell us. So right now it seems like he has a strain, a muscle strain in the back of his left leg that's going to cause him to be, have some mobility issues. Players who have had this experience... Rudy Fernandez did it in 2011, the year that he played for the Nuggets. I, um, a year I had totally forgot about. But yeah, that was the lockout year, and Rudy came back and was available when the season started in December after injuring in the uh, summer-fall with playing with Real Madrid. But the big one is in back in 2009, a 33-year-old Kevin Garnett injured his knee on February 19th of that year. Uh, it was in his right knee. He, uh, 
left that game kind of the way CJ left that game. He tumbled to the court. He went to the locker room without putting any uh, weight on his foot. You know, he hopped on one foot into the locker room. The next day, he was supposed to be out three to four weeks, according to Danny Ainge of the Boston Celtics. That's what they announced. Garnett came back on March 15th. Excuse me, March 20th. So he missed about exactly one month. Uh, So he came back on the... On March 20th of 2009, and he played in 17 minutes that night, clearly hobbled, played about three more games after that, and then he was shut down for the remainder of the playoffs. So, 33-year-old Kevin Garnett is a different animal than a 26, 27-year-old CJ McCollum. So, I don't know if, I, I feel like comparing apples to apples is a weird one on that, but I'd say a month is probably what I would generally guess for how long the Blazers want CJ to sit. Obviously, the playoffs start in slightly less than a month, so that might change the timeline. But I'd be surprised if he plays a regular season game, judging what we know now, which is very little. He spoke to the media immediately after the game, but hasn't um, spoken since. I believe league rules stipulate he'll have to talk tomorrow before the Pacers game, so maybe we'll know more then, but I am never sure about how teams treat those injury media availabilities. So what does it mean for the rest of the Blazers, regardless of when CJ talks to me and the other dorks with recorders? Uh, I think what it's going to mean is an uptick in minutes for Rodney Hood playing shooting guard. He closed out the game last night, played the final four minutes, three and a half minutes. Uh, there's gonna We're going to see a little bit of more of Seth Curry, obviously. He played about seven minutes in the fourth quarter. I don't think it means we see a ton more of Jake Lehman. I think he's... You know, everyone will absorb a little more minutes, so there are going to be nights when Lehman plays more. But that 22-24, is, I, don't th- I think he sticks there. And the way that Terry Stotts has been so hesitant and resistant to play Evan Turner a ton of minutes makes me think that he's not all of a sudden going to jump up to that 25-28 range. Obviously, he's going to play more than the eight he was playing when they were fully healthy, and he was kind of working his way back from his own issues, health issues. But... I think it's Hood and Curry who are going to see those big minutes. And I think Rodney Hood, who has strangely mostly played like power forward and shooting guard, is uh, is going to hop back over that that three spot again and play a lot more shooting guard. Uh, I think that's I think that I think he's the most likely candidate. You know, the Blazers brought him here to to play. Uh, Stotts has really leaned on him. He hasn't since he's been here in a ways that he hasn't necessarily leaned on Seth Curry and Evan Turner, particularly Turner this back half of the season. The Blazers are unquestionably worse, but I think this version of the team is more equipped to handle a a serious injury to CJ McCollum than any iteration of the Blazers we've seen over the last four years. It's not good news. But it could have been a lot worse. I think a lot of us thought it was a lot worse. But uh, the league marches on without CJ McCollum in a uniform. We'll probably know more this week. The Blazers play three home games, four home games over the next eight days. I will be at all of them, so I will have plenty of info to provide as I as I talk to players and coaches. But the league marches on. And I want to talk in the next segment about what happened in the league tonight and uh, where the standings are as we head into the final three weeks of the regular season, three three weeks and some change. 
But before we get to that second segment, I want to remind you guys, as we always do at this time, when you hop in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. It's, uh, or any of the Lockdown podcasts, to be quite honest. Uh, they're all about 22 to 27 minutes long, perfect for your morning commute. Uh, it's a great way to start your day, great way to uh, get yourself settled when you're taking the kids to school or making your way to work. I'll be here giving you all my uh, lukewarm blazer takes and relatively informed opinions as I possibly can, and it'll just improve your ride. So get in your car, tell your smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. All right. So when the Blazers wake up on Monday morning, this morning, they'll be in fourth place, a game and a half behind the Houston Rockets, who are winners tonight. They've won two in a row. And a game, or a half game, excuse me, above the Thunder, who have classically more going on than you would think. Thunder have lost two straight. And they play Monday night, second night of a back-to-back. And they're not going to have Russell Westbrook in that game. Because my dude got a 16th technical against the Warriors. And it's suspended for one game. Uh, that's league rules. Once you, uh, once you get above 15, every other tech is suspension, uh, in fitting Russ fashion, my man did not talk next question to every media member trying to ask him about keeping his cool and getting a stupid tech against the Warriors and having to miss Monday's game against Miami. But, uh, I don't know what sort of insightful things I wanted him to say, but the big thing is that he's not going to play and OKC is worse when he's not in the game. Uh, that's my hottest take that there could possibly be. So that that's, I think that's a big one for, for OKC, obviously a game without Russ and potentially more, if you were to accumulate more techs, uh, as we continue to bounce around the Western conference, we'll just head right on down the Spurs unbeatable Spurs have won eight in a row. Uh, like I mentioned in the preview pod on Friday morning, Derek White, has really, really helped their defense. They're just a much better defensive team with him in the game. Uh, they play the Warriors, though. So maybe that win streak stops at eight. Also, maybe the Warriors do what they do and don't play hard and lose to a mediocre team or at least a decently good team. But the Spurs won't die, man. Sixth place. Kind of looks like they were going to be an eighth, but uh, it's really crowded at the bottom of the standings. And right now, with eight in a row, they've they've moved on up. The Utah Jazz in seventh. Two full games behind the Blazers. But uh, bad news for those of you who um, really want the Jazz to do poorly is that they have the most cake insane schedule there could possibly be. Allow me to read you their next few games. At the Wizards, at the Knicks, at the Hawks, at the Bulls. All those teams are bad. Then they come home and host the Suns and host the Lakers, the two worst teams in the Western Conference. Then they host the Wizards, still bad. Then they host the Hornets, a bad team. Then they're at Phoenix, a bad team. Then three of their final four are kind of against OK teams. The Kings, who are going to be out of the race by then, so it's unclear what they'll do, but they have young players who are not going to arrest people. Um, it's just how, how much juice do they have left? Then they're at the Lakers third to the last game of the season. That is a super victory. LeBron James will probably be in Mexico by then. Then they host the Nuggets. That'll be a big one. And they're at the Clippers to close the season. So basically they have one challenging game from now until the final two games of the regular season. Obviously some of those are on the road and aren't guaranteed wins, but the Jazz are sitting so pretty. It's insane. 
just behind the Jazz, your Los Angeles Clippers, who tonight <laughs> uh, should have lost to the Nets. They blew a 10-point lead in the final 60 seconds, basically. The final, they were up 10 with a minute left. And somehow found themselves tied with the ball, and Lou Williams hit a contested 33-footer at the buzzer to prevent them from going overtime and send them to a win. Clippers have won two straight. They stay right in line, tied with the Jazz, half game behind the Spurs in sixth place. I mean, the West is crazy. That's that's this night just sort of and and, and this that rundown gives you a sense. It's like. OKC looks like they're going to make that charge for a three seed. Now they've lost two in a row and their best players or second best players getting suspended. Um, the Jazz, who have struggled all year, might close on like a 14-2 spurt, 15-2 spurt to close the season. That's pretty, pretty nuts heading into the playoffs. And the Clippers just won't die because they never will die. And the Spurs, the original undying team, it's the hottest team in the NBA right now. Uh, I was going to do a rundown of the Blazers wins over the Blazers games against New Orleans and San Antonio. But by Monday morning, that one seems meaningless, particularly in light of the CJ McCollum news. Uh, But tonight's game is a big one. Uh, The Pacers are pretty good. Uh, They're, you know, the third best team in the East, despite not having Victor Oladipo since January. Uh, Miles Turner is one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Demontis Sabonis is, should be in the running for six-man, but Lou Will's going to win it again despite being the best six-man candidate on his own team. Shout-out to Montrez Harrell. Darren Carlson has bad dude, but has been underrated forever. Bogdanovich just gets buckets, doesn't do much else but gets buckets, and that's an important skill to have. And Wes Matthews has given a little jolt, little energy at a, a position they were a little bit thin. Thad Young has traditionally killed the Blazers, so I cannot wait to see how he kills the Blazers on Monday. What a, a tradition unlike any other is Thad Young hitting like four threes against the Blazers and then five threes the rest of the month. It's my dude. A lefty who barely gets off the ground. You know that's my t- type of player if you know anything about me. But uh, this is a tough little stretch for the Blazers. Um, Minnesota's in a bad way right now, so I, I don't think that's a tough game. Excuse me, Dallas uh, is, is in a bad way right now, so I don't think that's a super tough game. But the Pacers and Detroit are pretty good, and Brooklyn, at the end of this uh, next Monday, this little homestand, I think this is a t- this is a tough stretch. These are games you really want to win home games, but no CJ McCollum, is, it, it's a lot to break in. Um, so there could be some movement in the standings as I've uh, cataloged here in this in this segment. When we get back, uh, I want to talk a little bit why I don't know if losing is such a big deal for the Blazers as they head down the stretch and why maybe losing more is better. But before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about my bookie. The first week in the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Was Ion Williams and his teammates co- Cement their legacy at Duke with another title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? Can North Carolina make its third championship in four seasons? And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone. Even you, multiple bracket guy. 
MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours fast. Bet with the best, kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with MyBookie today with a promo code LOCKEDONMBA for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDONMBA. With MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. Uh, I know I I gave you a tease that just left you on the edge of your seat heading out of segment two, but here in segment three, I am willing to argue that I think the Blazers falling, should the C.J. McCollum injury really send them down the tank, I think falling to seventh is more valuable than fifth or sixth. Uh I'm not suggesting like a full-on tank. I'm just saying that the Blazers' probably best spots would be three or four because they want home court advantage. I've said a million times in this podcast that I think their playoff fates will most likely be decided by whether they start the series at home or on the road. So three and four is where you want to be. But if you can't be four, I think you want to go ahead and drop down to seventh and play the Nuggets. In the opening round of the playoffs. Now the Nuggets have been really good all year. They're a game out of first. They're they're like a they're probably gonna be like a 55 win team. That might be generous, but they they could approach 55 wins. Like that's that's it's in their wheelhouse. I I don't know if I trust them in the playoffs. Um because their best player is Nikola Jokic, it feels like they can be taken a little more advantage of. Now, they have they have taken care of business against the Blazers this year. Uh, but if I had to pick, I would rather face them than starting a series in Houston or starting a series in Oklahoma, or in Oklahoma City. I think those are bad news. I think you'd rather fall all the way down to seventh. Now... It's maybe it's counterintuitive to think that seventh place is, is is better just on its face value, but in addition just to playing the Nuggets, um, if you really want to look ahead and get greedy in this stupid prediction, is that if you end up seventh, you avoid the Warriors in the second round. Um, so I part of me just thinks the Blazers' best best path forward, if it isn't finishing third as high as you possibly can and avenging the ghosts of the sixth seed, whoever that may be, is to slip all the way down to seventh. Because not only do you skirt around Houston and OKC just with like those singular players, I think that's really difficult. Just the, the, the having to go against Chris Paul and uh, and James Harden for a series, you know, for for two straight weeks, having to go against Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Stephen Adams for two straight weeks. I think that's a bigger ask than a Nuggets team that has been really good and all my League Pass homies out there know that they're incredibly fun to watch. But I'll take my chances with Jamal Murray, Gary Harrison, Will Barton in the playoffs before I would do that against PG and Russell Westbrook. And if you're one of these... Uh, 
pie-in-the-sky type people that think CJ McCollum is going to be come back healthy and ready to ride, and the Blazers are a team that could, as Charles Barkley thinks, make a run towards the NBA Finals. And I don't, I think that's wild. But let's just talk about winning a playoff series. Then you get a, a, a second round in the seventh spot away from Golden State. So if the Blazers start dropping games with CJ McCollum out, if they start struggling a little bit, which is um, fairly likely, even though I've I've made it clear that I don't think this is they're going to take a huge, huge, huge dip. I just think they're going to be noticeably worse in some of these moments when they don't have their best individual score on the court. I think there is a fake silver lining out there, or at least um, a silver lining you could tell yourself that the seventh seed is sneaky better than five. It's a little uh, game within the game. I, I think we, I talked when, when Jason was on here last week, he asked me if he thought the Blazers would like try to try to drop seeds. I don't think that's their MO in terms of the way Damian Lillard is wired and the way um, Terry Stotts coaches. But if it is natural and they do just lose games because they're not as good as teams, seven is not the worst thing that could happen. Eight, that's a death march, guys. Don't want to fall that far. Don't think they can fall out of the playoff race. Sorry, Sacramento. Can't see that happening. But I could see the Blazers slipping a little bit in the standings as the West gets increasingly tight. And teams like the Utah Jazz have the goofiest schedule you could possibly imagine to close up the year. All right, I'm going to head out to uh, Pacers game tonight, and I will talk to you following that one Tuesday morning. Should be a lot of fun. Nate McMillan back in the building. Paces are pretty good, and we'll get to see what the world looks like, what the Blazers look like in the uh, CJ McCollum on the shelf for a month, or at least a week, according to the what the Blazers are going to do. Reevaluation in seven days. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. If you are looking for this podcast or want to tell your friends to listen to it, which I encourage you to do, tell them to look up for look up Lockdown Blazers on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play. We're also on Stitcher and Spotify. Uh, if you can find it in your heart, leave your boy a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Mike G. Rich. Uh, I know a couple of y'all were asking about a potential My Friend Chuck reunion, and let me let me just spoil it here. It's in the works. And also with uh, our good friend Jason Quick back in town, we'll probably try to get him on the podcast this week. Blazers play three times, or Monday, Wednesday, Saturday this week, so we got plenty of podcasts coming your way. I appreciate you guys listening, and I will talk to you soon.